Lord, Holy Spirit, your thoughts, your words, your demeanor, your presentation, that's what we want. We want to hear what you want us to know. We want to see what you want us to see. And we want to receive what you want us to receive. So Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. But speak to us. Educate us and transform us in Jesus' name through the power of the Spirit for the glory of God our Father. Amen. So we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago. um, And I was in the Mosaic service last week listening to... uh, to Pastor Josh, so I don't know exactly what Doug said, but just a reminder that the reason the Nicene Creed came to be is because there was some controversy around a particular guy named Arius. And Arius had this, this group of people that followed him and they got all these bishops together in the known world in Constantinople. And, and he wanted everyone to believe in God the Father and then a lesser God the Son and even a lesser God the Spirit. And so they, uh uh-uh, no, that's not the witness of Scripture. And so this creed kind of bubbled up to say, no, this is a very Trinitarian creed. It's, no, Father is God, Son is God, Spirit is God. But really, most of the focus was on the divinity and the nature of Jesus, okay? The second person of the Trinity. But there was another controversy, another heresy uh, called pneumatici. So pneuma, pneuma, it's where we get the word pneumonia. So if you have trouble breathing and you have inflammation and fluid filling your lungs, you might have pneumonia. So in the scriptures, the word for breath, wind, and spirit are all the same word, pneuma, pneuma. So the, the pneumatici or the pneumaticians were, they were, the, the the word is defined, they were spirit fighters. They, not that they were fighting on behalf of the spirit. They were fighting to keep the spirit out of the Trinity. They believed that the spirit was created and not forever proceeding from the father and the son as the, fa- as the son is begotten, not made. So the spirit is, is always proceeding eternally past and forevermore, fully divine there from the beginning. So this creed specifically speaks to the nature and the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times, especially in Reformed traditions, uh, we have this kind of idea. We don't, we don't often talk about Holy Spirit very much. We, it's kind of, uh, my a friend of mine, Tim, he says, sometimes we kind of are the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures. Um, and we forget about the Spirit because it's... I'm not the only one hearing that, right? <laughs> really cool to hear that. Okay, because if this was some divine revelation, I can't hear it. He's speaking in tongues. For those of you online, if you couldn't hear it, there was a really weird squealy slash screechy sound that came from over here. So, okay. Um, it's because the spirit is kind of hard. It, it, he, the spirit is intangible, um, thus called spirit. So it's, we, can, we can kind of feel like we could have face-to-face with Jesus. We understand what a father is, but this, this spirit idea is kind of tough. And so we, 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 we can develop ideas about it that aren't scriptural. And that's what the pneumatici, the pneumaticians were doing. So I'm going to read this part of the, um, of the creed. And in the Apostles' Creed, all it says about the Holy Spirit is we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, and it just keeps on going. There's a little bit more here, but sometimes we forget that when we read in a creed about the Spirit, and then we move immediately to the church and to the resurrection of the dead, the forgiveness of sins, that kind of thing, we think that we've moved on from the Spirit, but we haven't. 
See, the church, the universal church, the, 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 here it's called the, the, the Catholic with little c and apostolic church, and the resurrection of the dead, and all, that is all the work of the Spirit. There is no, the, the, this supernatural uh, entity known as the church, meaning across the board, across the world from, from the first century until whenever the Lord returns, is it's the, the Holy Spirit that makes that possible. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within people so that the temple of God is no longer in brick and mortar, but in flesh and blood. So just as Jesus was here, uh, God in flesh, God is still in flesh. You're not God, but God lives within you. And that is something that we often stop thinking about, or it's just so hard to get our hands or our arms around that it's, 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 it can kind of become meaningless. Um, but Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit. The scripture speaks of the Holy Spirit um, from the very first or second verse of scripture all the way through to the end. So it, it's got to be important. So it's, it's a time that we get to hear about that. Now, this is what the creed says about it. It says, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son and with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. What we have in the scriptures comes from the revelation, revelation of the Holy Spirit. We believe in one holy, one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. Now, who resurrected Jesus from the dead? Did he just muster up a bunch of... And he came back from the... No, the Holy Spirit was there. And, and, and I, I have trouble with the Holy Spirit. I, mean, I, I say it, but it always feels impersonal. It's like there's this definite article. I don't always, I don't say the God. I don't say typically the son. I'll call him Jesus or son. But, but the Holy Spirit sounds impersonal. Um, and Jesus talks about him in a real personal way. So it is okay to pray to Holy Spirit. It is also through Holy Spirit that you pray. Uh, it is okay to pray to God the Father. It is okay to pray to God the Son. And it is okay to worship the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all one. And it gets a little wonky. I understand that. There are lots of illustrations that people use um, to try to explain the Trinity. One of them is this. Um, think of water. It can be gas. It can be liquid. And it can be solid. Spirit. Father, Son. Okay. But it breaks down because a molecule of water would have to be gas, liquid, and solid all at the same time for it to represent the Trinity because Holy Spirit is always God all the time and all that God is. Father is all, the, all that God is and he's always Father. He's always God all the time. Son, same thing. So there's another one that people use. Well, think of an egg. It's got a shell, an egg white, and yolk. But that breaks down because as soon as you crack that egg, the shell is no longer part of the egg and you can separate actually the yolk from the white. Um, there's lots of YouTube things on using a bottle to squeeze that, that it, okay? So that breaks down. There's other, there, there are others, but the one that, that I find helpful, it breaks down too. I asked the pastors to kind of throw rocks at it this week. It does break down, but it, it, it at least gives you the concept. So if I were to show you a piece of music, let's say you're getting married and you're wondering, you're asking what, what the people walk in, what is their processional when the bride walks down? Well, often it's either Trump, there's more, but trumpet voluntary or um, the, the, what? That's where I'm going. But I was trying to think of the one that Lynn picked because it was the 
processional from Sound of Music. There we go. Sound of Music. There we go. But, or, but if I gave you, if I handed a bride um, Canon's, or uh, Pachelbel's Canon in D. Okay, very familiar wedding processional. And, and, and if that bride is a musician and she looks at it, this is music, right? It's music. But at her wedding, when the musician or musicians are playing Pachelbel's Canon in D, it is music. And even if you weren't there to hear it, it was still music. But if you hear it, just like the band a minute ago, you hear music, you experience it, and you sing it, it's music. And when the band was playing off of sheet music or um, lead charts, or if, or if you're watching the words and singing it out loud, we're all singing one song, but there's music, there's music, and there's music. All music, all the time, but each one individually is music. Now, it's not all that music is. I understand all that, but you see the concept. Here's the other thing that we do. A lot of people dealing with the Trinity, they'll go, well, it doesn't, it doesn't work because one plus one plus one equals three. But God is a multiplying God. What is th- one, times, one times one times one? One. Okay? It is, it is a mystery. I have systematic theology books in my library, in my office, and you would be blown away by the, both the volume of chapters in those books trying to describe the Trinity and how little they're actually able to do. I'm not capable of doing it. I just want you to know what is believed about the Trinity. Father is God. Son is God. Holy Spirit is God. All that God is all the time. One person describes it um, I don't like all of his theology, but I really like uh, Brian McLaren says this. He says that the perichoretical relationship, I told you there's going to be some nerdy words, and then we're going to get to the scripture here. But the, 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 the mutual submission from father to son to spirit to father to son to spirit to father, it's like a da- an eternal dance, a three-person dance. Always some, one leading another following, another leading, another following. Each has different things that we attribute to them, but the father was there at the beginning. The son was there at the beginning. We hear that in the New Testament, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God in the beginning. We also hear that the Holy Spirit, in the very first verse of, of, the, of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then what does it say? Second verse, the spirit of God the Ruach of God was hovering over the deep. And where do we hear that again? In, when Jesus at his baptism, that, that, that he's being baptized and the spirit of God descends, Ruach of God hovers over the second person of the Trinity. And the voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. We see time and time and time again. Jesus says in in Matthew, he talks about the one sin that will not be forgiven. He calls it the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. You cannot blaspheme against something that is not divine. So if I can't blaspheme against Bree and Bree can't blaspheme against me, but you can blaspheme God. You can say something of God isn't and something that is of God and that something that is not of God, you can say that it is. You can be so backwards in your thinking and so hard of heart that you can't, you can't see what's good and can't separate that from what's evil. So Jesus is very clear that the Holy Spirit is indeed divine, fully God, all that the Father is, all that the Son is, all at the same time. But there are things that the Spirit does, that, that things that we attribute to the Spirit and Jesus, Jesus told us in the scriptures that we're better off that Jesus isn't walking the planet. We're better off if he had to go back to the Father. Why? Because he's going to send 
the comforter, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, the paraclete, all titles for the same person of the Trinity. In John, in John chapter 14, verse 15, it starts like this. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now, this, this is Jesus, what's known as his farewell discourse. It's him preparing his disciples for what's about to happen and making promises to them so that when they see these things come to be, they will know, they will remember that Jesus had said it and they will have hope. So if you love me, you'll obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor. The word there is paraclete in the Greek. He will give you another paraclete to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and, we are, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He, loves, he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord... Why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus doesn't really answer his question. He, he does with his point, but not specifically. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I've spoken to you while still with you, but the counselor, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Now, we're going to read from chapter 16 here in a moment, but let's just talk about this for a second. Um, have you ever heard of the Reformed idea of, there, it's called tulip, it's total depravity, uh, I always miss the U, uh, un, what? Unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and there you go. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes you perseverant. There's an old story about Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was a president, he was pretty um, small in stature, but he was a tough dude. And he grew up getting in a lot of scraps, getting in a lot of fights, tussling around and wrestling, wrestling with guys. And one guy, when, and he ended up being one of the Rough Riders and he ended up being a, a, the, the president of the United States. And, um, but one of his childhood friends describes him as a guy, it's not like, and he, he, if I say thode, it means thrown, but I'm gonna say it like this guy wrote it. It's not like Teddy never got thode. He got thode a lot. In fact, every time he got thode, he got back up. And he kept getting back up after getting thawed until the other guy got thawed and stayed down. So he's bullheaded. He's stubborn. And he also knows that you cannot quit if you think you must. If you, the, the Holy Spirit of God wants you and me to know that nothing, nothing, nothing can stop what God is going to do in us. 
But we can get discouraged. The accuser, there's one who prowls around like a lion looking for something to devour. There's one who is the accuser. There's one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. There is one. There's the enemy of God is the enemy of humanity. And God, Jesus speaks to about that in a second. But I want you to see that, I think Spirit wants you to see that, that no, come what may, nothing's going to happen to you that can make you not be the person that God has made you to be. You will persevere. You are immortal. If you're a Christian, when you die, you don't stay dead. It's the Holy Spirit living in you that makes that possible, makes it so that you can get a terrible, terrible diagnosis. You can hear a doctor say, this is what's wrong with you, and this is what's going to happen to you. And you can go, why? And then go, yes, Lord. You can, you can walk the road prepared for you. It, it, if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, we live in perpetual fear and nothing but fear. We're, we're all, it, it all depends on what, how we can keep others at bay, how we can deal with others. And, and it, it becomes about my own power or my own pleasure and, and at your expense. But the fact that Christians can even forgive someone who sins against them because we've been forgiven is because we have Holy Spirit living within us. We are, we are able to persevere in the worst of circumstances because the Holy Spirit. And the, 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 the accuser will try to remind you of who you were. We'll try to tell you, oh, you how many times are you going to pray and ask God to forgive you for that? How, you've been praying for that for 30 years. Who do you think you are? You think God has any time for you anymore? That's the accuser. He speaks, but it's the spirit, the paraclete, which we'll talk about in just a second, but he's the one who whispers. Do you remember? Do you remember the passage that says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Well, yeah, but Lord, I'm, I'm, I haven't changed much. I'm still like, don't you remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17? When someone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You're not who you were. You're who I'm going to make you to be. It's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, that makes us keep working and to cooperate with, this, with, with God to become the person God wants us to be. But God, Jesus sent us a paraclete. This is, this is phenomenal. The God of the universe is now our defense attorney. When the accuser shows up, the spirit accuses the accuser. Jesus played a paraclete in, in John chapter nine. Remember the guy born blind? And no one celebrates. No one celebrates that this guy can see now. When he, he hadn't seen it his whole life. Now he can see. And they're all like, well, who sinned that, that, that he was born blind? So it's always about where the sin was. And this goes back and forth and back and forth for seven, seven eight, and then in nine, the, the, the accusers come and Jesus meets this guy that he healed. And it's as if Jesus stands between him and his accusers and he takes the accusations and he turns them back on the accusers. That's what a good defense attorney does, right? Call doubt with the accusation and try to accuse elsewhere. That's what the Holy Spirit, now he's not gonna do it to try to get you off. He's gonna do it because he has chosen and, and made you who you are. And he sees you as who you're gonna be and who you're becoming, not who you were, because that is, the old is gone. That is dead. You're alive now. In a way, you've never been alive. Another role of a paraclete in the first century was someone, who, uh, uh, someone who's got your six. 
People, Roman foot soldiers used to, used to train with their paraclete. They actually tied a strap nine, nine to 12 feet long between them so that they were training together. And if I'm, if I'm one of those soldiers and I've got my breastplate on, I've got this that covers up this area and I've got shin guards and a helmet and a shield and a spear or a sword, I'm covered up here. I've got some defense up here, but I'm vulnerable from behind. And so when I, when I would go, if I would go to block a blow here and I open up my flank, my paraclete knows who I am, trains with me, and knows to cover my vulnerability when I'm being attacked from the front. Cops do this all the time. I mean, and, and you see in, in, in military stuff, you see, hey, I got your six. I got your six. I got your six. I've got you from behind. So, and it's the one, if, if one police officer gets shot in some horrible shooting and he's pinned down, uh, his or her partner's the one that's going to probably be the one that's responsible to lay down cover and go and grab and pull him to, pull him to safety because he's going to cover your vulnerabilities. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He knows where you're vulnerable. Even in places that you don't know you're vulnerable, he's got your back and he's going to remind you if you need to, if he needs to, hey, you know that you have a blind spot here. I want one. Before you go into this situation, remember, don't let this happen. Don't do that. It's that still quiet voice of God that speaks from within, not from without. And another role of a paraclete in the, in the first century was if you participated in what kind of pre, pre-Olympic games, but um, the games of Corinth, the Corinthian games, and you were allowed to, you, if you're running a long race, you were allowed to run with your paraclete. It's a coach or an advisor or a, a, a pace setter. Um, I've told this story before. My, my sister-in-law, Cindy, ran the Boston Marathon one time, and she was coming up to mile 12 or 13. She hitting, she's hitting the wall. She's done. Now, the wall for me is about a tenth of a mile, but she, she's doing okay. Um, so, but her family was there. She was just going to quit the race and leave. But her friend Elizabeth had, a, had a, a guest pass, kind of a celebrity pass, to get into the race, and she jumped in right before Cindy was going to quit, put her hand behind her, gave her a sports drink, and said, Cindy, if you will make it through, if you push through the next two miles, you'll make it all the way. And Cindy was able to accomplish more with her paraclete than she was alone. Husbands and wives, this is your role for one another. You are to be mutually submissive, like that, like that dance amongst God, the Godhead. You're, and, and you're supposed to be a paraclete to your spouse. Lynn is more the woman that God wants her to be because I'm in her life. And I am much more the man that God wants me to be because Lynn is in mine. That is the relationship that you have with the God of the universe. He cares enough about you, not just to die and save you from your sin. And I'm not discounting that at all because without that, we're all doomed. But he did not leave it so that we have to, there's one person in all the earth needs to come and ask advice and ask wisdom and, and seek, seek out one man. He, the Holy Spirit now lives in every one of us. So I had a, uh, when I was on Young Life staff, I was 22 years old, maybe 23, and um, I knew nothing um, but thought I knew everything. And we had a first fundraising banquet. And, and this guy, this big dog, and he was in, the, he was in his 50s. And he, to me, he was ancient at the time. Um, but he was, his name is Chuck Reinhold. And he's, he's asking me, and the big thing for the old school guys was contact work. Now, contact work is, is three, three levels, really. It's, it's being seen, striking up conversation, establishing relationships that earn the right to be heard about Jesus. So he, he, they, they want you in the school. They want you at lunchroom. They want you at football games and soccer games and practices and all this out there. So he's like, how's contact work going? I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of scared. Plus, these kids all wonder why this old guy, me, 23, don't I have any friends my own age? And he, he looked 
me dead in the eye and he says, if you don't go to the football game, Jesus isn't at the football game. Oh. Now, there's probably other Christians there, but I got his point. See, Jesus walked on the earth, God incarnate, God in flesh. And God still walks this earth in you. Everywhere you go, you carry God with you. Everything you do, everything you say. That is amazing. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. It, it's, it's almost, I'm un, almost unable to fathom the fact that God chose to dwell in individual lives, to make you who you're supposed to be, and to never accuse you of who you were, but instead to stand instead of you against the accuser and telling him to go back to hell where he belongs. And I can say that scripturally because we know this from John chapter 16. Now I'm going to be with him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Now, it gets a little wonky because someone did ask. I don't have time to go into all of that. It's kind of beautiful, but um, because, I have said, because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is good for you. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor, the paraclete, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of, of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to, the, to, to judgment, because the prince of this world, that's the accuser, that's the enemy, now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can, you can now bear, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In other words, there is nothing between Father, Son, and Spirit that isn't shared. And he tells me and he tells you and he tells us and he's telling you again right now that it is better that Jesus isn't walking the earth because Jesus' Spirit is walking the earth in you, in your house, in your neighborhood, in your marriage, as parents, as children, in your job, and no matter what someone says about you, no matter what someone says to you, no matter how bad and hard life gets, you will persevere because you are invincible until the day that God calls you home. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. There is nothing. Nothing. Why? because he lives in you. How do you tear out something from within? You can't. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. And one other thing, there's a passage that we love to quote, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests be known to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's a good one. But notice it doesn't say, and the peace of God that transcends understanding will be felt by you all the time. It says that it will guard your heart and mind. That is your paraclete covering your vulnerabilities. That is your paraclete 
throwing accusations back at the accuser. And that is your paraclete making you more the man, the woman, the boy or girl that God wants you to be, making you more that way than you could ever be without him. Praise God, Holy Spirit, that he chose to do it this way. He sustains the church. He reveals to you the scriptures. And finally, every thought you've ever had about God that was right is because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, whispering from within the still, quiet voice of God. So why do we want to memorize the scripture? So that it's easier for the Spirit to remind you of what you should know. Remember, the old is gone, the new has come. Yeah, that's not you. That's sin living in you. But we can overcome that. Every thought you've ever had that was true about God is because God is already dwelling within you. The fact that you came to Christ and became a believer, whether it be throughout your lifetime or in one moment or dozens of times over the course of your life, you would not seek God. God had to first seek you. It's not that he first loved us, or it's not that we first loved him, but that he first loved us. If you have any sense of God working in your life, it's because the Holy Spirit has been drawing you to himself and then he dwells within you. So he prays to the Father and the Son for you, even when you don't know it's happening. So when you hear music, think of God, all of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. But the one you know best is the one you know least. Actually, maybe a better way of saying that is the one who knows you better than you do, knows you better than you do, because his temple is your heart. That blows me away. I hope it at least scratches the surface of, of wonder in you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we worship you. We pray to you. We thank you. Father, for everything we thank you. Son, for everything we thank you. And Spirit, for everything we thank you. We ask that you continue to work in our lives to make us more the boys and girls, the men and women that you created us to be because we believe you made no mistakes. And even though we do, we know that you're the corrector and the redeemer and the giver of life. In the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.